I think we owe ourselves that that right to practice something that we we feel like we have the capability, the opportunity, the support system to go and make it happen. The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy, delivering prosperity, innovation and abundance across the globe. Here are the stories of its key players, directly from the leaders themselves. This is Bulwark's Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, where real experiences are passed on from the leaders of today to the leaders of tomorrow. Here is your host, Paige Wilson. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm sitting here this I'm sitting here this afternoon at the Capitol Grill City Center with my guest, Hussein Baksari, partner at Darcy Partners. How are you this afternoon? Doing very well. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. Of course. So before we go deeper into your current role, could you please tell our audience how you got started in the industry? I started in 2006 in the industry. Mm-hmm. Out of all things, I did my PhD in physics. Long story, how I decided that I should be in the management consulting industry. But that's how I made the transition from academia to to the world of business and uh, moved from Los Angeles to New York. Wow, that's that's a big change. It's a big change, yeah. But from one good city to another, so it was, it was a good trade. And very quickly decided to focus on energy, so I spent about seven years with uh, McKinsey doing upstream consulting. What prompted that? Um, I kind of feel like energy is such a fundamental industry that mm-hmm. just fuels everything. Technically it does, but... <laughs> <laughs> No pun intended, I yeah. guess. Yeah, but it's the fundamental aspect of it was very interesting to me. The fact that it's this is not a luxury. If the civilization needs to move forward, you need energy, and this is it. So, consumer packaged goods you could live with or without. Interesting and important industry, but it just doesn't compare with the fundamental aspect of the energy. And being a physicist, I think you always have an interest in more fundamental stuff, more uh, going to the roots, and that was my interest early on. Now that we kind of know where you began, can you tell us that story to now? Sure. Yeah, so I did about seven years of work with uh, McKinsey. I did a lot of upstream consulting for national oil companies, for sovereign wealth funds that were looking at investing in oil and gas, private equity firms looking at investing their capital. Worked a lot with uh, multinational sort of integrated oil and gas companies. And then finally in 2009, after doing a lot of trips to Houston (laughs) out of New York, I decided that it's more efficient to be based in Houston. And I moved to uh, this great city and work with more independent U.S. focused so operators. So how long have you been in Houston? 2009, so about eight years now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, around 2013 is when I left the firm mm-hmm. and decided that I wanted to do something with my technical background with a commercial angle on it in the upstream and became very interested in early stage technology and did about uh, 20 very small investments in really early stage, or they call it seed stage technologies in oil and gas. And about two years ago, we uh, came up with the idea of providing the work that 
that you do as an investor, um, almost as a venture capitalist, mm-hmm. to oil companies that have no interest in investing, but they like these technologies as a way of enabling their value creation by getting access to more resources in an efficient way. They need technology. So we switched our model about two years ago, and we've been offering technology research and scouting to upstream oil producers for the last two years. So that's the genesis of Darcy Partners. So can you explain some of the big challenges you faced during that time? I, I know, especially now as, as an entrepreneur, there had to be a couple. Oh, there were more than a couple. Um, <laughs> I was being facetious. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the first one was the timing. So we started in sort of mid to late 2015, mm-hmm. which was an interesting time with the oil price. Boy, was it. It was. It was. And I think what helped us was this realization that maybe we're not going to go through as many or as volatile price cycles, Mm -hmm. given the position of shale in the uh, supply chain or the supply of oil in the market. So with more stability of prices at lower level, a lot of the operators started thinking about innovation in a much more serious way. So in retrospect, the timing was probably good. Yeah. you started then. Yeah. Got kind of lucky in an unlucky time. Exactly. There's always a silver lining. Yeah. Uh, always. You know, I was, I've, al- I've always thought about what is the, uh, like, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. It kind of looks like a random walk, to be honest with you. The only point of, or common point that I've found in all of those pivots or moving from one interest to another or making important decisions has been presence of good caring and insightful friends to be honest with you you know i started in high school with a very determined focus on math like i wanted to be good at math and that was i want i I wanted to be good at math i wanted to be good at math too but that didn't work out so well (laughs) (laughs) it was a real passion it was just like i was mesmerized by these mathematicians and their theories and the way their abstract mind worked and I had a good friend of mine who approached me and said have you given some thought to physics I think you could be good at it that just almost started a curiosity and will application of math to physics and more practical aspect of math that that is uh, observable in your day-to-day life right logical very yeah and that got me into physics and uh, I spent about a decade of my life in that field of science because of a friend's suggestion. You know? That's that's pretty empowering. It's just weird how things work out sometimes, huh? I know. And you and you say that was just luck or there was this was destined to happen. It would have happened without that friend suggesting. I don't know. It's hard to tell. But a, a decade later, about maybe a year or two before I graduated at Caltech with a PhD in physics, a friend of mine miraculously shows up and tells me about, what do you know about entrepreneurship and commercializing technology? The work you're doing in the lab, but really in the market versus staying in academia. And that opened a new facet of opportunities to me. Give him a lot of credit for starting an entrepreneurship club at Caltech. And uh, so I ran that club with him for about two years, and that became another window into the world of entrepreneurs, angel investors, venture yeah. capitalists, that whole world that is so new to students. Yeah. Know? And that became my passion for about two, three years and just realized that I have no business background, like a, a blind spot that I had. And I realized that. And another friend shows up, one of my good friends in the lab, and say, have you thought about management consulting? And that was, no, I've never heard of those people. What do they do? And that's how I 
interviewed with McKinsey and I was lucky enough to get a job and that became my MBA on the job program. That's awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> so these decisions happen and it's very interesting to watch how these dots get connected over time until you get here. And But I'm very happy and, and I don't mention the names of the friends just in case. Just in case they're listening, right? Just in case they don't <laughs> feel as, as privileged to be my friend as I, uh, <laughs> as I, as I feel about them. But yeah, I, I'm very grateful for these insightful, caring people that knew me and made suggestions about my path, and I'm glad I took their direction. That's incredible. Really great. Thank you. So if you had one piece of advice to give our audience, what would that be? To me, it's, I don't think we take enough risks in our lives. I might be speaking for myself here, but I think there is, you know how they say, make sure that in your lifetime you sing a song that is yours. Mm-hmm. And I think we owe ourselves that that right to practice something that we, we feel like we have the capability, the opportunity, the support system to go and make it happen. There's no guarantee that that would be your song, at least in the pursuit, maybe you find it. But that's the only advice I could give people from my experience, that you got to take risk and do something that you like and that the universe responds. I'm pretty sure there are a lot of travels I haven't taken that I should have taken. But if you're thinking or suggesting career-wise decision. You know, I don't know about the the other side of it, but uh, there was a time that I... Maybe for the first time, I thought about this risk-reward thing when I left uh, McKinsey. I sort of gave myself this opportunity to say, you're at a point that you would not go broke for a year or longer if you actually just don't make any money, you know? Mm -hmm. And what kind of field of work would you want to be in that is all equity, no cash? There's a hundred different reasons why you wouldn't do that. And in my case, I literally sat down and say, like, what if everything goes down? Like, what will happen? I was lucky I wasn't married and didn't have kids and all that <laughs> stuff. So but that's those are details. But I really couldn't come up with any reason why I shouldn't take that risk. I'm not saying everything is that simple. I think if we are more diligent about the risk that we're taking and push ourselves into why am I not taking this risk, I think some of our answers would be different, I suspect. Yeah, and I think in the end that sometimes it would determine that you mean not be in the position you're in doing what you're doing right now right you wouldn't be here on my show exactly maybe even (laughs) so great advice so what book influenced you the most i love a lot of books in the industry like my favorite is big rich but in terms of a book that really influenced me personally there's a book some of your listeners might know of is called the power of now by eckhart tolle i love that book just because it's such a grounding book that argues for i don't know maybe 100 or 200 pages the very basic message that all we've got is this moment and sometimes we don't live it which is a complete waste you're not aware of it and helps a lot in terms of uh, being present with your team, being present with your customers and not spend too much time in your head planning or revisiting the past. Kind of a move forward strategically, but not overthinking it. Yeah. Yeah. I think there is enough time for the brain to do the planning and the look back analysis. And I think we've just not given it enough turn off time to be where we are now. It's been a great book for me. If you had asked what movies influenced you, my answer would be this. So that kind of ties back into your influence. No, it didn't register. (laughs) It didn't register. I was like, that was supposed to be funny, but I didn't get it. (laughs) I was just waiting for the question. (laughs) (laughs) What's your favorite movie? (laughs) Finally. I'm sorry. Love that movie Inception. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) 
I watched it six times, I think. <laughs> Did you? Including one on the airplane, which was very eerie because the last oh, scene yeah. is on the airplane. Yeah. Oh, that would freak me out a little bit. I know, because I was coming back from this transatlantic flight and everybody was waking up, including the people in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> is this real? Am <laughs> exactly, I in this? Exactly, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh-huh. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, what is your most used business tool? It, it's a tool I really like. I think I use it, but I don't think I use it enough. It's listening. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people do. Yeah, it's a very powerful tool. I'd say so. I think if you listen enough, you figure out what you need to do. How do you mean? I clearly remember there was initially when we launched Darcy Partners, there were a number of clients that called us, actually not clients, but oil oil and gas companies, more on the service side. And they asked us to present their technology, one of the forums that we had planned. Uh, This one in particular was focused on completion optimization, Mm -hmm. sort of doing frac diagnostic, knowing what you do into the reservoir from the surface and control it that way, a more controlled experiment. It was very easy for us to say, sort of you jump into conclusion and say, well, this is really for startups and entrepreneurs. So a big company with a lot of resources is not something we'd like to show to our companies or clients. And a whole bunch of other anecdotes like that happened in the beginning of our journey. And if you listen enough, you realize that the market is telling you something and you should listen and that's an opportunity and you got to take an action on the request that comes your way. And finally, after two years, we decided that we need to launch a product focused on mid-size companies that are established. They're not startups. Right. They're profitable. They've been in the market for a long time. They have a brand name that is recognized by the oil producers, but not necessarily the innovations they bring into the market is recognized in a way that is digestible um, and maybe get you know muddied up mm-hmm. with the other messages that exist and the clutter of the marketing that exists around the existing products. So um, we decided that we need to cover those innovations. And when you go talk to their oil producers, they say, we need innovation. We don't care where it's coming from. So we're about to launch a second product within Darcy, which is focused on innovations brought to market by incumbents. And very interesting opportunity for all parties involved. But we didn't listen in the beginning. We should have done this earlier. But that's sort of an example of, you know, if you listen more, solutions come to you. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. It's almost common sense, really. Yes, which we didn't have. Yeah, well, I mean, you get excited and it's a, you know. Yeah, because you have a plan and you you try to stick with it. Stick with the plan. And then you don't realize that the market is much more volatile than, you know, how they say People make plans and God's laugh or something like that. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I do. So who's your most respected competitor? You know, it's difficult because what we do at Darcy is a combination of different things. We do technology research. It's almost like a research firm that does fundamental research, sort of like a consumer report that says what different technologies are capable of doing, what's been their track record what can and can they solve, challenges they're trying to address. But we also have an element of scouting, which then when we realize what problems our oil companies are looking for, for a quarter or two, that's all we do 24-7, looking for whatever the topic is, artificial lift solutions or frac diagnostic solutions mm-hmm. or water management solutions or drones or whatever they want us to look at. And then there is a third element, which is bringing those solutions back to the operators in a one-day format. 
that makes it very easy to digest. You have recognized people would rather listen and watch than read a book maybe sometimes and they've realized that either, even though our white papers are pretty comprehensive, not everybody has the time to go through a 40-page white paper. So it's I don't. <laughs> <laughs> or the attention span. Exactly. <laughs> so we said the delivery of that research should be in the form of a one-day session where we condense it into the most efficient use of their time to review the what has come out of our research and meet with the top 10 innovators that we've identified among hundreds that we've looked at. Interesting. Yeah, and then so the so there's a third part of the offering which is really that one day event. So if you look at our model, you could compare us to a research firm, to a scouting firm, to an event firm. And so who's your competitor? Great point. But you know, I think to be honest with you, the biggest competitor of ours is technology, which is very ironic. You know, we're looking at technology as a way of helping our clients. And I think technology is really our competitor because I don't know Recently, when I look at airplane tickets for my travel, you used to go to Expedia and type in your yeah. you know, destination and your point of origin, etc. And then you see the options. Now you just go to Google and you say flight from X to Y, this date, and you get your answer right there. You don't even have to go to Expedia. Yeah. But that's the point that I think is going to impact a lot of different industries and services where you know, a simple Google search could give you more than a whole business that supports Expedia. I think the technology will improve to a point that at your fingertips, you know exactly what set of technologies exist for a very specific challenge that you have. Right. And I think we're not too far from that future, but we're still not there. So there's a human element of this that is critical today. But we're aware of that. I think the short answer to your question is that technology is our biggest competitor, but we'd like to be part of developing it versus watching it come and take us by surprise. So what would you say your most important lesson learned is? It's a very hard lesson to learn and be true to it. But even now, I kind of feel like it's still in our industry. The sales is very personal. Mm-hmm. And it had stayed that way. And maybe it depends on what, what you're selling. But the relationships that you have with people is extremely important. The businesses go through ups and downs and your promises may or may not come true, but the relationship you have with people that have put trust in you is the only thing that remains at the end of the day. You might change your business, you might change your strategy, you might change your offering, especially as a startup that's still finding its way in the market and finding the niche. And it's very hard to make promises three years down the road. This is exactly what we'll offer you. And you're changing those promises as you go and having that trust with your customers to respect your decisions, come along with you, and explore those possibilities with you only comes from personal relationships, especially that you got nothing else. There's no brand behind you that people could trust. And that's been a very important lesson for me that as an entrepreneur, you have to invest in relationships with your team, with your customers, with people that are affiliated with you. I think that's, that's been important. So what's your favorite song? I'm just kidding. (laughs) That's not really part of my questions, but uh, what's your favorite? (laughs) You like that? That's the makeup for the movie thing. (laughs) You got me though. I was going to answer. So what's your favorite podcast? So other than this podcast, my favorite one is, uh, is the one I started with uh, learning Spanish called Coffee Break Spanish. Really? You learned that? You learned (laughs) Spanish from a a podcast? I wish I learned, but I started learning. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. 
um, but it's a pretty good one. It's actually taught by two Scottish people, which is very ironic. Huh? So they speak they speak great Spanish, and then when they translate, it's with he- heavy Scottish accent. So pretty entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> I would see why you would listen to that. I, I, Mark and Carla, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the two hosts. Uh. So now I feel it's only appropriate that we announce this week's winner of the $200 steak dinner from the Capitol Grill. Congratulations to Frank M. So if you want to win a $200 steak dinner from the Capitol Grill, and who wouldn't, visit www.bulwark.com forward slash podcast. Every, every week, you've got to sign up every week, guys. Enter your information and listen to next week's show to see if your name's chosen. As always, a link will be provided in the show notes to make it easier to enter. And if you're not familiar with Bulwark, they're the leader not to mention the largest manufacturer of flame-resistant clothing in the entire world. So after you've signed up for that steak dinner, be sure to check out the rest of Bulwark's website to learn more. And since Oil & Gas Global Network's calendar is filled with events, I also need to thank our on-the-road travel sponsors. So Lee Hecht Harrison is the world's leading talent development and transition company that helps businesses simplify the transformation of their talent and workforces to accelerate results and reduce risk. They also help individuals build their careers within their companies or transition into new opportunities. So visit www.lhh.com for more information about that. And then we have Total Land Technologies, and they have the world's most advanced field land management system, which is the Land Man Virtual Office. So visit www.totalland.com for more information about them. So thank you so much for for coming and t- telling everybody your story. If people want to reach out to you how, or want to learn more about Darcy Partners. So darcypartners.com uh, is our website and uh-huh. you could reach out to us that way. Okay. And if they want to learn more about you? Um, my email is Hossein, H-O-S-S-E-I-N at darcypartners.com. Also put it in the show notes for everybody. So that concludes this episode. So just remember, it's up to you to open the next door. Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Bulwark's Oil and Gas Industry Leaders podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com.